Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Shitty Christians. I'm your host, Zachary Allen. And I'm Michael Tabor. And Michael, we, uh, I really enjoyed last week's episode. It was, it was rich, it was deep, and we've got something totally the opposite of that. <laughs> from deep and compelling analysis from somebody who was at the scene to a couple of douchebags talking about the shit they always talk about, welcome to Shitty Christians. To a couple assholes summarizing Twitter. Hello. Summarizing other assholes. <laughs> Michael, I uh, are you bringing your pirate ship to this episode of Shitty Christians to say you're taking it over? Me and Blackbeard just hanging out. Uh, I thought it was nice for the Conservative Baptist Network, one of the major topics today, to sort of mm-hmm. adopt some mm-hmm. pirate methodology. Because as I think you pointed out online, uh, <laughs> similar standards regarding uh, consent. Yeah, I can't get over, like, you were fighting against uh, any investigation into rampant sex crimes, and you're like, you know who we should style ourselves after? Those dang pirate guys. Those <laughs> those fellas who were known for pillaging and something. And something. What was it? I just can't recall. It probably <laughs> oh, and, and, and making religious conferences more conservative. That's the two <laughs> things they were known for. Yeah. Again... Like, the pirate uh, analogy is hilarious, and we'll get more into that. Uh, but let's just remember, these are all khaki-ass motherfuckers. Like, none of these yeah, people yeah, yeah. have ever done anything actually interesting. No, you cut any of these people, including J.D. Greer, and they bleed rapist. It's the same thing. It's all the same. So, yes, uh, despite uh, my earlier proclamations that we're going to be spending a little time away from the Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah, uh, we did tell people that last we week. We did tell we people like, that. Two no, weeks we're not ago. doing any more of this. Look, uh, I but don't know I'm a lying liar who lies. Like, I, I, you know, come on. This is known. I'm a podcaster. You can't trust me. What do you, what do you expect true. me to stand by my word? Pshaw, I say. Uh, yeah, that's and it true. It just so happened that uh, I watched. 11 hours of the Southern Baptist Convention yesterday. So this is all texting, that I can talk about. You were texting nonstop about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've talked about it before, how some of these episodes are just uh, a practice of going insane. And uh, yeah, I think the combination of vitriolic evil combined with the immense boringness of, uh, of a like convention-style event... Uh, was a really special brand of awful that I look forward to delving into even more. That you, that you look forward to recording a podcast about. Yeah, that, that I look forward to subjecting all of our dear listeners to. <laughs> dear listeners, are you familiar with Hannah Arendt's The Banality of Evil? If not, you will be. <laughs> that is such a good uh, thing to bring in for this podcast. Because, man, <laughs> there was a lot that happened. Uh, basically, what we witnessed yesterday... Uh, was mm-hmm. the election of a new Southern Baptist Convention president, uh, which mm-hmm. is the culmination of a multi-year-long attempt at a second conservative resurgence in the already quite conservative Southern Baptist Convention. Right. right. I love that that implies the conservatives went somewhere. But no, the conservatives are still there from the 80s that took over the SBC. But now, even crazier conservatives, are like, like, like a sort of parasitic wasp, are trying to burst out forth from their bodies. Uh, yeah, exactly. This is a, a Last of Us situation. They're, the parasites have infected their brains. And 
it's a real mess. But uh, I got to say, the more I dug into it, the more there are, is some interesting shit here because there are some like mafia-style tactics at play. There is secret funding from shadowy figures in the darkness. Uh, there is backroom dealing, intimidation, uh, leaked audio. Like there is a lot that went on sort of in the lead up to the conference that I think... Uh, culminated in this election between Mike Stone, Albert Moeller, and Ed Litton uh, that we will get to the resolution of. Uh, you but say just... an election between these men. I say an erection between these men. Mm, that would be some much, lookers. much, much more interesting than anything that I had to watch yesterday. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think, I think to best understand and set the stage, we've talked about some of these issues before, but we need to go back to a couple weeks ago where we briefly mentioned that a couple letters that one Russell Moore, friend of the pod, uh, former leader of the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission mm -hmm. of the Southern Baptist Convention before yeah. resigning to go be a public theologian for Christianity Today, words that should not exist. Yeah. Uh, also, um, the sex erection guy, or the violence yeah, erection the, uh, guy. Yeah, the violence erection guy. As we've said many times, we are not Russell Moore fanboys. He is often sort of heralded as the more uh, liberal and progressive wing of the party. But at the end of the day, his beliefs are as garbage as the rest of them. But... What we're going to be delving in today is how Russell Moore, uh, according to the more conservative element of the Southern Baptist Convention, is in fact a dang liberal seeking to destroy the Southern Baptist Convention from the inside. Uh, and go through not only the process of like harassment and intimidation that he endured, which he was quite whiny about in his letter, but also the much more important uh, you know, aggression from the convention against victims of sexual abuse within its convention. Uh, and the steps that they took to try to evade responsibility. So let's hop into those letters. Uh, one was written to the executive committee. The other was directly to J.D. Greer up until yesterday, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, and in them, he delves pretty deep into the shit that he had witnessed over his time, mm. his seven years at the ERLC. Uh, and several of these allegations land squarely on the head of one of the current candidates for Southern Baptist uh, SBC president, Mike Stone. Okay. Uh, Mike Stone is the leader of the conservative ba Baptist network, as well as being the current chair of the executive committee. Now, I realize this is already intensely boring. I'm talking about yeah. executive <laughs> committees. But there has been an interesting change that has happened in the last handful of years at the SBC. And that's that this executive committee, which is largely created, uh, it was not a very powerful organization for a long time. It was basically just handling uh, the day-to-day -day issues of the convention when they were not doing their big yearly convention where they vote on things. And so it was created functionally as an administrative organization. But as such things occasionally do, uh, they have continued to wield greater and greater power as the years have gone on. And now mm. with Mike Stone as the current chair and the president, Ronnie something, Ronnie Whiteman. <laughs> Ronnie Whiteman yes. and Mike Stone, another white By the man. by, briefly, are we talking about a deep state within the SBC? So actually what we're talking about right now, the executive committee wouldn't be the deep state so much as it would be... Uh, Joe Manchin like uh, it, it's mm. it's the public facing people know who the executive committee are it's not a secret secretive cabal but a lot of the things that they do are shrouded in secrecy and according to Russell Moore at least mostly what they did was try to cover up rape oh 
So yes. that one way is similar to the deep state. Yeah, exactly. And we'll get to the deep state power behind sure, the executive sure. committee throne. Uh, but yes, this is the same Mike Stone that in 2019, J.D. Greer uh, called for 10 churches in the SBC to be investigated because of credible allegations of sexual abuse. In a closed-door mm -hmm. meeting, the executive committee, chaired by Mike Stone, summarily dismissed uh, those investigations against eight of the 10 churches. They, they cleared them of suspicion, despite the fact that at least one of these churches had an active sexual predator on staff at the time. Oh, no. Yeah. And then and then they took the added step of offering an official apology to that church that, again, was harboring a sex pest in its ranks on staff. Uh, ah. And so, yeah. Th th and that that dismissal happened a week after Greer called for the investigations. Uh, oh, my One gosh. of the people involved, Bush, said that neither Stone nor any of the other committee members contacted him before deciding to end the inquiry. Uh this rush process succeeded in protecting a confirmed child sex abuser when, while it failed the survivors of abuse, he wrote. So Oof. that's Mike Stone. Russell Moore then goes in deeper. And I'll give Russell Moore credit for this. He does not pull punches in this letter. He's whiny. He's mostly complaining about how sure. hard this has been for his family. Because as we all yeah. know, uh, SBC people can't care about anything unless it's themselves. Uh, right. But... He also points out something really interesting. So Mike Stone, uh, founder of the Conservative Baptist Network, trying to start the second conservative resurgence against the liberalism of the likes of, you know, avowed Republican and pro-life advocate J.D. Greer. Uh, but Russell <laughs> right. Moore points out that the founding of mm -hmm. the Conservative Baptist Network was actually in large part funded by disgraced uh, former SBC president Paige Patterson. Dun, dun, dun. Of course it is. By the way, what's so fascinating about that is Paige is the guy who led the initial, the initial yes. first conservative resurgence to begin with. This is so, like, this is some oh, yeah. deep lore. It, this, this is the deep state right here. Like uh, Paige yeah. Patterson, uh, arguably one of the biggest figures in the Southern Baptist Convention of all time. Uh, leader of the original conservative resurgence which, with his lawyer friend and also child molester. Uh, yeah buddy uh recently disgraced due to wouldn't you know it covering up sex abuse uh threatening to break down a woman who had experienced a sexual assault to prevent her yep. from going to authorities as well as saying some mm. extremely sus shit about like a teenage girl uh and so yep. in the past handful am of I years saying, am i saying what? he's the jeffrey epstein of the sbc yeah i am saying that actually <laughs> yeah pretty much uh Russell Moore points out that in the, in the videos where they announced this conservative ba Baptist network, several of them were filmed in Paige Patterson's personal library at his multi-million dollar mansion in Texas. Uh, and other websites affiliated with the group have been uh, demonstrably shown to be funded and created by white nativist political groups. Ugh. Yes. Uh, he then adds, we now know that Augie Boto and others, at the very time we were trying to convince them to do anything on this matter of sexual abuse, were colluding with the Pattersons to divert funds from Southwestern Seminary and Baylor University for their own causes, with appointments on a board enriching those involved by six-figure payments every year. We do not know this from rumors. We know this from court documents in the state of Texas. Uh, which is something I don't actually know if we covered on the pod, but there was a legal battle going on 
over after Patterson was ousted from Southwestern, uh, members of the board that were still loyal to him, basically pulling funding from things that he didn't support and either directly giving it to Patterson to help find the, found this network or just moving the funds around in the way that he would have wanted. I love I love Southern Baptist. Like this isn't just like a few bad apples at the top. This is like the entire like the entire apparatus is like we got rid of this guy because he's probably a pedophile. You know what? I'm so angry about that. I'm going to start funding him personally. Mm-hmm. To, like like I need to Les Wexner be the Les Wexner to Paige Patterson's Jeffrey Epstein or or it I'm is- not a damn Christian. Like it's just what the fuck, guys? When you think about, like, Bill Gates being buddy-buddy with Epstein for decades, just think about the Southern Baptist Convention. Like, these people all hang out. Um, Mm -hmm. And the best thing you can say about Russell Moore is that, at the very least, he tried to bring uh, these issues of sexual abuse further into light and, as uh, spoken to in his letters, was fought at every turn. Uh, by the executive committee who was worried about this, uh, you know, according to them, influencing the witness for the gospel. You know, it was real, really just a gospel concern. Uh, so Inc- this, Incredible. We haven't even gotten to the convention yet. This all culminated in Rachel Denhollander speaking at the Caringwell Conference, which was the ERLC conference designed to specifically address uh, the sex abuse scandal that the Houston Chronicle broke. Uh, Rachel yep. Den Hollander uh, was uh, one of the victims who was instrumental in putting Larry Nasser away. Uh, she That's is right. a Southern Baptist, and I believe, but she's definitely a Christian, and she has spent she a has, lot of her time. I, she has been. I can't speak to whether she currently is, but she's she's been a Christian and been involved. Yeah, with she's the she's definitely a Christian, and she has dedicated uh, most of her career uh, to fighting sexual abuse uh, in all its forms, but even more specifically within the church. And so, mm-hmm. Russell Moore invites Rachel Den Hollander to speak. Rachel Den Hollander says some shit. She's pretty upfront sure. about like the way, as we've talked about many times, that the SBC was not taking this seriously enough, not listening to victims, not not uh, actually investigating, not creating a uh, uh, a list of known sexual predators that can be shared around with other churches, so other churches can know not to hire these fuckers. Uh, yeah. And she spoke very bluntly uh, and correctly on this matter, sure. uh, yeah. which led to. This executive committee freaking the fuck out. Yeah, so Mike Stone and his his Ronnie boy uh, come to them and are basically like, why would we allow this woman to speak at a conference that we are hosting and paying for? How dare you allow this woman to get up and say these things about our denomination uh, at a at a conference that we paid for, and this was a major like bone of contention for them. Is like we helped fund this conference, and this is how you repay us by speaking honestly about the sexual abuse within our denomination. I just okay. Here's the thing: someone can okay, if I'm running an organization, and someone comes to me and is like, "Hey, like." In hundreds of people in your organization are giant rapists and pedophiles. Over seven hundred. Right. Right. I, I don't think the I don't think I would be like how dare you talk I'm like or it's like hey you know who the ire should be directed at it's ne- it, it's it's at the giant rapists and pedophiles and I just I know I I don't want to belabor this point too much but it, it will never stop melting my brain just let like someone comes to you and is like hey 
this awful crime, all these crimes are happening. And you're like, shut the fuck up, you bitch. Like, that is your, like, that's your response. Instead of like, oh my God, I am so sorry. We will do everything in our power to take care of this because the lives of the women and children in our organization are more important than like this. No, like, they're not just like doing a bad job. They're not just being incompetent. They're not just like, oh shit, that's crazy. They're not just trying to slough it off to cops who are who would be bad at it. They're, they are actively siding with the predators to a oh, point yeah. that is almost, that is, would be comic. It's so villainous that it's like, yeah, it kind of makes me wonder who each and every single one of these guys is. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the reality is like, you couldn't write a Bond villain this evil. It would seem no. ridiculous. Uh, to have people in positions of power actively campaigning to shut down investigations, to silence victims. At one point, Russell Moore uh, talks about how they were calling these women crazy and said that they were more of a danger to the SBC than uh, the predators. Uh, and these Which, are all being said in closed room meetings. Uh, and, and They're just you know, saying it out loud. They would rather oh, yeah. children be assaulted than somebody talk about it. Like, they're not just saying literally it. They're what they shrieking said. it. They're shrieking it in their fury that someone would try to bring this stuff to light. And I, just, uh, I grew up in this world, and it, I, I literally don't understand, like, how that's your point of view. Like, how is that, like, you can't even pretend. Like, Obama at least was like, oh, I'm against racism, and then did all the racist shit, but was against it. Like, but they just, they just say it. They're just like, they, there's not even a moral gloss to it. Yeah, there, there is no attempt to justify their bigotry, their hatred, their slander against the people they have harmed. It is purely and openly and uh, defiantly even an attempt to protect uh, their, mm-hmm. their role of power. And, uh, and so all of this is swirling around in the direct lead up to this convention. Like Mike Stone puts out a, his own press release saying all these things are like lies and slander. Another pastor then leaks audio from a uh, secretly taped meeting proving that he said a lot of these things as well as Ronnie Whiteboy. Uh, wow. And so all of this happens before the convention. Uh, one of the big news stories that happens at the moment of the convention is Mike Stone is accosted, or pff, allow me to rephrase. Um, one of the victims from the church is there speaking. I'm actually going to get her name. So one of the first things that happens at this convention is that uh, Hannah Kate, who is at Freedom's Ride on Twitter, she is a pretty vocal um, uh uh, victim who has spoken a lot about her experience being abused in the church. Uh, and she was at the convention uh, to sort of share a list of demands from sex abuse to survivors about the next steps to take in this process. Her and Mike Stone bump into each other outside of the convention hall. And Mike Stone says that uh, she is doing damage to the gospel. Uh, at which point she starts crying. Oh. And this is reported on by Washington Post reporters. Mike Stone then says, of course, this is a lie. This is the lie in liberal news media, Uh blah, blah. But the moral of the story is like this thing starts with Mike Stone making a victim of sexual abuse cry at the convention. Nice. Good job. I mean, again. Super cool and normal stuff. It's such a weird portrait of the gospel, too, that like, hey, look, listen. Hey, I know you're like... When you criticize the thousands of sleazy rapists in our organization, that's Jesus. You know, these like all these disgusting, greasy predators that run rampant in our churches. That's Jesus. I think we all remember Jesus saying like, 
You know, if someone's terrible in church, if someone is stealing your money, if someone's insulting your children, that's me also. <laughs> God. Yeah, just absolutely brutal stuff. Uh, and so I start watching this convention on Tuesday morning because I am curious. masochism. Pure yeah, masochism. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, this, this pod, yeah, we've said it before. Uh, so I'm sitting down and I'm watching it and it starts as boring as all these things do. There are prayers, there's a worship service, uh, you know, with a, a appropriately diverse, uh, series of singers on stage, uh, including <laughs> hilariously one, one man who was absolutely holding down the fort for the white khaki ass motherfuckers. <laughs> Well, they didn't want anything to get too jazzy on stage, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, they're worried that at some point some accidental hip hop might happen. Uh, no, that would be that would be a big problem. Uh, yeah, they <laughs> they got to keep the drums in the little plexiglass cage. You know how it goes. Uh, then it immediately cuts to a military display where a bunch of like generals get up and talk about how important chaplains are. <laughs> just just step one. So cool. Oh, uh, the handsome generals. They're back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Trump's handsome generals uh, as a boy band making an appearance. Okay, if you are trying to like come up with a name for your band, the handsome generals would be pretty good. Ooh, yeah, that's not bad. And then you could like uh, do it in sexy military outfits, you know. Yeah, come, come, on. come you, on. You'll get you'll get mad laid. You'll get mad laid. Do it. Do it. Everyone, do it. <laughs> <laughs> so how to even walk through this basically what they're doing is a series of vote votes on resolutions which are like non-binding statements for the convention as well as these elections for uh for the various roles so they start with the presidency vote and there are three major factions here we've always already covered mike stone extensively very much the trumpian wing of the party yes uh we t and then al moeller was another one and he represents the more like low energy jeb baby the more like classical yeah he is absolutely the jeb bush of the convention uh he represents the old guard he was part of the original conservative resurgence he's a president at one of the seminaries he does a terrible daily podcast just sort of waging his culture war and for a long time was probably going to be a shoe-in for this position because mm -hmm. he's more conservative than greer but there's been some recent issues with him, uh, mostly with him flip-flopping on his feelings about one Donald J. Trump. Uh, you see, Mueller was a never-Trumper for most of the past four years, including 2016. Uh, and then just before the election, decided to switch his stance and say, yes, obviously there's a lot of issues with this Trump fellow. But at the end of the day, this Biden guy is just too socialist for me incredible stuff uh, joe and it, joe biden noted socialist noted social noted communist joseph robinette biden <laughs> um <laughs> so good and you would think that this would maybe be good for him shoring up the base but actually nobody likes a flip-flopper and he was pilloried for this wildly about the only thing he has going for him is he's been sort of waging the war against critical race theory uh, which we'll get to. He spoke today. How, I just how briefly, brave. I literally just turned on the stream for like 10 minutes today. And within <laughs> the first 30 seconds, I see Al Mohler's face, which is just 
more jowls than any human being should physically possess. I'm not trying to body shame. It just seems like something's wrong. There's an Emperor, Palp Emperor Palpatine vibe here that seems like it requires medical attention. Yeah, so like, imagine if you were looking at an English bulldog and that English bulldog had alopecia. It's bad yeah, news. Yeah, in the same way that we should not be breeding these animals to the point where they cannot survive healthily on their own, we should not allow Al Mohler to continue to exist this way. Like, has no, Al Mohler no sold one the soul to the dark side? Absolutely, he has. Has. No one man should be that Caucasian. Is all I'm saying, as <laughs> as I would like to state claim as the internet's second most Caucasian man. Yes, exactly. Right behind Al. Uh, so I literally <laughs> turn on the stream to Al being like, "Critical race theory is a godless ideology that will bring about the death of any organization that recognizes it." I can't get over the fact that like how ubiquitous, and I don't know how much time we must want to spend on it because we already did a year ago because we're ahead of the curve uh entire episode on critical race theory but like how niche and watery and so sociological this thing is that was never in high schools and how the new republic has summed it up nicely that like republicans have nothing so they're just ginning jimmying this up as the like the culture war issue because they like have completely retreated even from their like terrible uh i i uh they somehow all got the memo because they mm -hmm. they can't talk about biden because biden's basically non-existent and it is pretty funny how republicans can't just say anything about that and they have no more policy and so like they've all just circled the wagons where i've like was hearing it at my parents church like people praying against like you don't know what the fuck this is you don't understand it it's just your boogeyman yeah, yeah. There's no attempt, uh, not unlike the word socialism at this point, it has just become mm. an absolutely meaningless term for, I don't know, any acknowledgement that racism exists, like, at all. Uh, and But it's interesting to me that it has become such a national touchstone. Yeah. Uh, because it really did start in the Southern Baptist Convention in 2019 mm. when a resolution was adopted yep. to embrace critical race theory as an analytical tool, as long as it doesn't go against the Baptist faith and the message from 1995, of course. Uh, but this very, <laughs> very limp dick sentiment of just being like, hey, it's okay to, I don't know, acknowledge systemic racism that has started this huge uproar right. that began really in the SBC and has since become a national culture war issue, as we've talked about many times. I, uh, I'm fascinated. It's so path both pathetic and infuriating in its way because, like, it means nothing. But they don't ever – all they want to do is dismantle the state and so they're just this is the cultural issue they're going to talk about while they vote for people who outlaw abortion and dismantle the rest of the state piece by piece it is it is just kind of like so naked that i, I it drives me crazy but they also won't shut the fuck up about it <laughs> yeah i think i think the not shutting the fuck up about it is an important thing to note um but yeah, so they like that's Mueller talking about it. But there's a whole there were like multiple resolutions uh, fighting against critical race theory that popped up in the lead up <laughs> to this. And one of them sort of bundled it together. Uh, resolution two that was sort of like pushing back on uh, the adoption of critical race theory in the convention. And but that wasn't enough for some of these people. Like. No. Of course not. So resolution two is called the sufficiency of scripture for race and racial reconciliation. <laughs> and I just couldn't get over how much this. I know, right? That's so dumb. Uh, 
very few things have been around in the world as long as organized religion and organized Christianity in particular. Y'all haven't done a great job getting to the bottom of uh, racial reconciliation on your own. <laughs> yeah, but I love the idea. It's like, them. No, the bu- uh, they'll use the Bible to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They'll, they'll read a verse from Levit- Leviticus and racism will be healed. Uh, and so this is like the first flashpoint of, of like this resolution to to essentially overturn the previous resolution, which up until this point had never happened in SBC history. You can make new resolutions, but you can't overturn a resolution. And this one is pretty specifically overturning the previous resolution. Uh, and the debate was largely based around whether or not this resolution was extreme enough. People hopped on the mic, so the way this works is they'll announce the resolution, and then there's mm-hmm. like a brief period of time where people can offer amendments, which is essentially, you know, you've got a room full of about 15,000 people, and whoever's the craziest on a particular topic at any given moment gets to hop on a mic and yell about it for a couple minutes, <laughs> which is a real special way to handle your business, let me tell you. Uh, and so there were <laughs> people being like, this, this resolution doesn't even name critical race theory. You know, we named critical race theory in 2019, but now we're just saying like, oh, any, you know, theory or system. And, and like, we need to be specific about what we're calling out for the purposes of clarity. And all these amendments get <laughs> shouted down, but the resolution passes. Uh, So they have officially overturned their stance on critical race theory, uh, which leads me to one of the interesting sort of conclusions on Mm. watching this hellscape unfold for 11 hours is that there is some debate in the denomination about how to move forward on issues of sexual abuse or, you know, this conservative takeover, which we'll get to. uh, But what there is not seemingly any... uh, any issues with affirming is how deeply the SBC is committed to these hyper-conservative values. Like, Mm. uh, at one point, after they take the first election while they're waiting for results, J.D. Greer gets to do his final speech as president of uh, the SBC. And in it, he goes in relatively hard on the divisions of the denomination, on not taking sexual abuse seriously enough, on getting distracted from their mission of sharing the gospel by all these conversations about critical race theory. Like, you know, this was reported on by the New York Times religion reporter is like, oh, he's he's just keeps dropping mics so he can pick them back up again and drop them. Like, the New York Times loves, loves to... Uh... Be like, hey, this person is slightly less Nazi. We should build them up as cool. Yeah, we should we should Look treat you, them Dave as Pruss. if they are they are really saying something. But in that same speech, you know, he is affirming uh, his commitment and the denomination's commitment to being anti-gay, uh, to being mm. anti-trans. Like, let me find the actual quote that he yes, makes, please, uh, because I think it's it's worth it. Um, He said, I'm not talking about communicating ambiguity on things the scripture is clear about. The sanctity of life and marriage, God's plan for gender, the sinfulness of homosexuality. These are things that faithful Christians cannot disagree on. Uh, Ah, yes, the Bible. Very clear on abortion. Totally. (laughs) Yeah, there's so many verses Yeah, how could anybody misinterpret that? 
so just really uh, wild how this is this is the scary liberal that people have been wanting to kick out for such a long time. And wh who is he? He's the guy that in the same speech says that National Treasure is his favorite movie of all time. Cool guy. Hero. I mean, I think we can all agree National Treasure is pretty good. Cool. <laughs> is, it, is it seeing it 30 times good, Zachary? I don't, I don't know how many times I've seen National Treasure, but like I've seen it a fair amount on TV. I'm going to be real with you. I'm, I'm also going to be real with you. It was a not insignificant part of my youth group experience because it was one of those popular movies that's like rated PG. Uh, yeah. So like Christians can be okay with it. Uh, but he's also he's like using this to talk about how much he loves America and how special America is. Like yeah. all I, these people are fucking Republicans at best. It's, uh, it's the Mitt Romneyfication of it all. It's Mitt Romney being like, I'm not sure about this Trump guy, but Amy Coney Barrett, I love her. And it's just like, yeah. hmm, well, hmm. Also, I'm going to vote for every single thing he says we should vote for, but yeah. I don't I don't approve of him. It, well, it's and like, Greer well, specifically like was approval. super into Amy Coney Barrett's uh, nomination. Of course he was. Of course he was. Of course he was. And again, it's pretty fucking rich for the guy that spent three years doing very little to actually address the major issues in their, his denomination uh, is going to stand up here and chastise people who, again, are villains. Like, these are all monsters. Uh, they deserve to be chastised. But, dude... This is like Obama being like, young people really need to step up. It's like, bro, you were president. You were the yeah, president. Then why, yeah. What are you yeah, talking elected, about? We elected you, homie. That was the point. And now you're <laughs> homie like might be slightly podcasts. problematic in this context, but go off, King. No, fuck off. Well, no, not you fuck off. Obama fuck <laughs> no, off. No, you can tell yeah, me to fuck, fuck off. It's fine. Yeah, no, but I met Obama. Uh like just fuck off obama like you told us to elect you you said things would change and now you're making shows with netflix and getting your daughter sweet writing room jobs shut the fuck up sit down you got any more you of those writing rooms writing room jobs yeah though, but obama? for real though could you i will, I will uh, change my tune on a lot of things if uh if i'm being bought off i'm just saying. Uh, are you his surprised. kid then probably not yeah uh so they take the first vote greer gives a speech they come back and an interesting thing happens. Mm. No one gets enough votes to become the president. There needs to be a, you have to have more than 50%. So there's now a runoff election. That runoff election is between Mike Stone, who received the most votes, and Ed Litton, who we haven't talked about yet. But yes. Ed Litton is kind of an interesting figure. Uh, again, all these people are Republicans, but he is very much the guy that's sort of following in Greer's legacy. Uh, of mm. like at least saying things nicer uh you know I, I don't know much about Lytton and I'm going to reserve judgment a little bit because for the most part he has just been a pastor of a local church for a very long time he's held a couple leadership roles in, in the denomination but unlike a lot of these guys like he hasn't been the president of a seminary for decades like Moeller and he hasn't you know fomented a whole new you know alt-right wing of the party like Stone like he's mostly just right. been doing his thing and at least to hear some of the uh, vocal like abuse victims talk about him, he has done a much better job than certainly any of the other candidates of prioritizing, you know, uh, victims, uh, you know, making sure their words are heard and arguing that we need to like take this more seriously as a denomination. All good things. What that will actually matter in practice, whether that's more of a Greer where you say a lot of nice stuff and then don't fucking do any of it, or whether he actually has, you know, the commitment to back this up. 
genuinely remains to be seen. But mm-hmm. that's who Lytton is. And Lytton was not favored to win at all. Uh, no, so the I fact really that he didn't think he was going to. The, uh, the second most votes at all is pretty crazy. Uh, so Moeller's out. You know, the flip-flopper, the <laughs> Jeb Bush is done. And we now go to an immediate runoff <laughs> election between these Low two candidates. Low energy Moeller. Low, uh, yeah, sleepy Al. Uh, you're out, son. Uh, go I back did, to- by the way, I did sort of feel like this was coming. That's one thing I'm, I was wrong about the election, but I did, I was right about Al Mohler. Mm, yeah, okay. Uh, well, well done, my guy. Yeah. Uh, so Batting they do the second vote, and then we go back to the resolutions. And, oh, man. Up until this point, it has largely been a pretty boring convention. You know, with all of mm-hmm. the drama, the intrigue, the deep Patterson state in the lead up to this, the actual thing that you're watching is a bunch of white dudes like talk pretty calmly for hours on subjects that are terrible. Um, (laughs) A bunch of white dudes trying to convince you that neither racism nor rape exist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, And then we get to these resolutions and shit starts popping off because, again, now you have rank and file Southern Baptist uh, pastors taking the mic Mm. and just going off. And I think this really was very telling about the actual soul of this denomination because if you just listened to Greer and you just watched some of these things and you weren't aware of these backroom dealings, you would come to the conclusion that this is an organization with some very shitty and regressive conservative beliefs, but like, you know, trying to be nice about it. Uh, And so it's a little jarring to hear these pastors get up and, for example, uh, there was a an amendment, a resolution rather, uh, about abortion. And this was, uh, again, something they had fielded a lot of potential resolutions on, and they crafted one that was specifically about, you know, how important the Hyde Amendment is and how we need to protect the Hyde Amendment. And this guy hops on the mic to be like, this resolution doesn't call women who have abortion murderers, but legally they're murderers, so we should say that. It's too nice to women that have abortions. They need to know the sin that they have committed. And so we need to put that in there. That is staggering. I think it is interesting because like often when we talk about these things, I think we, or when we talk about evil organizations, we kind of correctly so, and this is the leftist critique, is you kind of give the everyday people a pass. You know, when I talk about QAnon, like a lot of the everyday people are just like people who are poorly informed and like have hard lives, right? But like, this is like, a lot, a lot, an enormous percentage of these day-to-day people are just fucking evil. Yeah, 45,000 <laughs> like, SBC rotten. pastors. And again, one of the reasons I feel more comfortable calling out, you know, these rank-and-file pastors as compared to your average QAnon person is like they are all in positions of spiritual authority. Right. It might be a big church. That's it might be thing. a small church. But they are leaders. They are They are people who have assumed this role. And here they are hopping on a mic to uh, yell about women being murderers for having abortions. Uh, At which point, one of the ladies who helped draft the resolution is like, hey, listen, I'm very sympathetic. I used to think like you did. But then, you know, I talked to these women and now we just have to say it nicer. Oh, my gosh. Uh, That resolution passed, by the way, minus the the murder part. The murder part did not pass. Uh, Of course it passed. Yeah. uh, And then they had something on homosexuality, at which point. There is a huge uproar over the use of the word orientation. 
in this resolution. Because according to these people, orientation, that there's a secular word, you know, an orientation, that implies that people are born this way. They don't have a choice. And multiple people hop on the mic to be like, we can't use the word orientation. We have to take it out and call just call it identity because identity is a choice. And that's that's the biblical principle. Somebody says, God has never made a homosexual. Oh boy. I uh I, I would like to introduce you to the straightest man on the internet, Milo Yiannopoulos. <laughs> Which, apart from being so vitriolically homophobic, is also just dumb. It's also yeah, just a real no, just, dumb thing to say. Uh, just some dumb shit. Just some dumb shit. And once they already removed the word orientation, because the people doing the resolution were like, sure, yeah, fine, no worries. Uh, somebody else gets up to argue that they need to remove the word again. And then they're like, uh, we already did that. And he's like, oh, okay, okay, as long as everyone's on the same page here. <laughs> like, You know just, what? I'm against democracy now. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it was pretty fascinating to watch people just sound off and you really got the picture for how much the propaganda campaigns that we talk about a lot specifically with critical race theory and then somewhat with sexuality are really working because these guys mm. like some of the people up at the, you know Greer and Lytton they're like hey you know CRT that's yeah, we don't have to worry about it. it's not a big deal it shouldn't be our focus but that's not what the people in the Southern Baptist Convention believe they are super fucking worked up about critical race theory to the point where they had to overturn their own fucking resolution uh so you just you really get to like the militant conservatism at the core of the party and i mm -hmm. think it's why when what happens next which is that the runoff elections are called uh yes. why i'm a little suspicious about what that will actually mean so in something of an upset Ed Litton actually took the day uh, with 52% of the vote. It was like fi a 500 vote gap between the guy who just is the normal form of SBC suck and the second conservative takeover pirate uh, wing. <laughs> and I think I... that's, well, just um, it's good that Ed Litton won. Uh in as sure. much as he actually does work to help protect future victims and address the harms that have already happened, I am glad that that guy, and not the guy who was actively covering it up this whole time, is the guy in charge. Mm -hmm. But the guy who was actively covering it up the whole time, who was exposed for that, who has strong connections to the previous guy who was busy covering up sex abuse all the time, got 47% of the vote. I don't know if this is the place for it, but... My, I, I thought Stone was going to win. I, that I was wrong about. And uh, Yeah, no, I, I, was, I think I, I was genuinely I was surprised. Because, uh, you know, mostly what was happening is Moeller's votes were being split, right? And right. Moeller's belief system is a lot closer to Stone than it is to Lytton on most issues. So it was an interesting thing. I was surprised, too, that Lytton was able to pull it out. Um, I think he was a little surprised, frankly. Uh, but I think... What we still have to contend with is that this all came down to 500 votes out of 14,000, more than 14,000. Like, like we came very close to this happening. And I think it really speaks to the failures of, we'll call it liberalism for the purposes of this mm. conversation. We know that Greer is an avowed conservative, as is Lytton. He made that clear in of his course. acceptance speech that like, hey, I, I'm a conservative. I have conservative values. You know, I believe in all these things politically and also, you know, inerrancy and whatever else. Uh, but 
whether or not it happened at this convention, it seems increasingly inevitable to me that that more conservative wing is going to take over this party. Uh, yeah, I I agree. I I think it's this is this is Nixon in sixty eight. Yeah, yeah, like he's he's gonna. It's it's a matter of time. This sort of queification may not be complete, but it's 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 on its way, and it got a plurality, and that's why Trump was able to win the Republican Party with the plurality, and this worked out to where he had to win a majority. But I think next time they'll just take it. They'll just yeah, take and it right I out. I don't know if that's next year or a few years from now. We will see how things develop, mm-hmm. but. You can't fight against this sort of militant racism, against this, like, you know, it's just, it's the same thing we see, uh, you know, with Republicans and Democrats. You have the Republicans being militantly and viciously fascist, and then you have the Democrats doing fucking all. And, like, there's only one direction that goes over time. Yeah. Go ahead. There's been a bunch of articles this week about, like, we don't spend time time on it, but, like, about about them not prosecuting Trump, about them defending the Justice Department with Merrick Garland, of course, he's basically Republican, defending like all the Trump positions, like, and and and, and sort of upholding the things of the previous, the previous uh, attorneys general, and 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 you know like uh, oh yeah Trump in the rape case, things like that, and so you know and and with the uh, the Mueller report, which again I don't care that much about, but still, and so like what you see is like. And they're not defending, they're not really doing enough to care about voting. Like, Democrats are doing nothing. They're trying to pretend Trump never happened. Because, But meanwhile, Republicans are setting it up. They're, they're setting it up to knock it down. Like, their, their goal is to take this over and steal the government brick by brick. And they're going to win. Oh, yeah. They are currently winning. Like, yeah, people like to think the like. Democrats being in power means that they're winning. But it doesn't. It doesn't. The elections are only going to get more unfair. Uh, the judiciary is only going to get more biased. Like, all of these things are in process. And a minor setback along that step path doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Because Democrats are Republicans and Republicans are Nazis. Yeah. Unless Democrats actively try to stop it and reverse the trend of it. It's never going to matter. It's never going to matter. And so this is what happens. Yeah. Uh, There was a very funny moment uh, that I need to chronicle here where uh, the reporter for the Houston Chronicle who broke the abuse of faith uh, articles and and revealed these. I believe I said 700. That was the number of victims he found. It was over 100 abusers. um, And again, this is by no means exhaustive. Uh, This was just what he was able to find. But the guy, he was there at the convention and he bumped into Paige Patterson, who was also at the convention. The disgraced former president was there. uh, And he bumped into Paige Patterson and Paige Patterson was like, yeah, I wish it had gone the other way. (laughs) And then the reporter was like, yeah, I don't think he was too excited to shake my hand. (laughs) Which is very funny. Kind of an asshole. Yeah, indeed. Uh, so to bring this home, there are a couple yes. things that are more positive that I think we should we should speak on. Because uh, there was another one of these resolutions, Resolution 5. And that resolution uh, was to agree that any pastor who had been engaged in sexual abuse should be permanently banned from doing any ministry with the convention. Um, mm. And even this became a controversial topic. People hopping wow. on the mic to be like, what does this resolution say about 
are we not limiting God's forgiveness? Does God not have the what? power to forgive any sin and call people back into ministry? And it's like, fuck you, man. I I love people being like, listen, I don't want to stop pedophiles from being pastors. I just don't want to do it. Yeah, I just know? want like, to hop on a mic in front of thousands of my fellow men and, and well, I almost said women. There were women present in the room, but ain't none of them a pastor. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, the front thousands of your compatriots to be like, you know what I want to stand up for today? Keeping <laughs> pedophiles in ministry. I just will. Will no one speak for the pedophiles? <laughs> you know, Bill I Gates just, hops on the mic just to get his two cents in, as he does like, constantly yeah. in every issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you can't have you, you can't have people breaking patents or waiting for age of consent those are the two things that you just you can't have absolutely unacceptable according to southern baptist but that resolution did pass and oh i think gosh, that is goodness. that is a good thing uh now how this will actually play out in practice is an open question these are non-binding resolutions but i'm at least glad that people voted for it hopefully that results in some actual like attempts to stop these people from just hopping from church to church as has been a huge problem in the SBC. I love um, that it's a non-binding resolution. I love that. Like, listen, did you have a female, pa- female head pastor? You're out of the SBC. Did you maybe talk to a gay person once? You're out of the SBC. Um, is your head pastor a pet, a convicted pedophile? Not out of the SBC. It's non-binding. What are we going to do? Our hands are tied. And, and that is consistently the argument from the executive committee is that like, hey, there's nothing we can do. We believe in church sovereignty. So like right. there, there are Watch no that steps church that can have be a... taken, despite the fact right. that behind the scenes, these guys are, you know, just straight up doing mafia shit. Uh, and oh, then yeah, the but also other. Like, uh, yeah, just go ahead. Oh, God. Um, the other interesting thing that happened is that there were calls in the lead up uh, to this convention for an independent investigation specifically into the executive committee and its cover-up of sex abuse. This is a good thing. Uh, Weirdly, though, the executive committee is in charge of choosing whether or not to hear these calls, and shocker of shocker, they chose not to. No. It's always like when Congress is supposed to investigate itself. Like, Dianne Feinstein is, like, selling children to, like to like get her portfolio better and congress is like oh, we can't do anything about it she's been in congress for 30 years it's mm-hmm. like man it's it's almost like this is a bad system it's almost like this shit doesn't work on purpose but an interesting thing happened so after the executive committee declined to expand its investigation into itself they did announce that they had hired the same independent firm that did the Ravi da- Zacharias investigation Uh, to do an investigation into them. Now, that's interesting for a couple of reasons. One, because that Ravi Zacharias investigation ended up coming down very strongly on all the terrible things that Ravi, who was dead, did, while also saying that no one else had any knowledge or any information. Uh, Which is to say, bullshit. (laughs) Right, yeah. Complete. It, it It was one of the most like, hey, look, listen. There was only one guy who did something bad, and he's dead. That's crazy. Oh Isn't gosh. it crazy how the only person that would have to experience any consequences for this has already shed the mortal coil? Man, shame. Uh, real shame. Wish we could do more. Uh, so the executive committee hired this uh, group to do to an investigation, largely, I think, to head off uh, these, right. these calls. 
But just this morning, uh, somebody brought a point of order to the hall uh, saying, hey, we want to take this investigation out of the hands of the executive committee. It's a clear conflict of interest. They shouldn't be able to see this report before it's released or before other people see it. And by uh, overwhelming majority, reports in the room said over 90% uh, of people voted to do that. So that was a motion to hear that. So they'll be voting on that later today. Be curious to see how that goes. But with 90% of people voting to make that a possibility, it's very likely that this will actually be taken out of the hands of the executive committee. Okay, that's something. Yeah, and that's really good. Uh, now, yeah. you know, obviously there are a lot of steps between that and any actual attempt at justice, but it is important since we're noting all of these terrible people railing about abortion murders and uh, orientation as a word being too godless, <laughs> that we should point out that there, there was clearly from the people in the room an attempt to say, like, we don't trust you guys. We don't trust you to be honest about this. These are real issues. And one other thing that they did was they shot down a major budget proposal from the executive committee, which is largely unheard of. This is what the executive Whoa. committee does. They create budget proposals. And so for them to be like, yeah, this thing you've been working on all year that's like hundreds of pages long and very complex document, these things that are largely a formality, go fuck yourself. It failed. Hey, I mean, you know, you take, <laughs> you take what you can get, right? Yeah, so I, I think it leaves the convention in a really interesting place. The, the convention spoke very clearly on a few issues. We still have all these same horrible toxic beliefs, which will continue to <laughs> allow this reactionary element to fester and foment in our ranks because our beliefs, whether said nicely or uh, as cruelly as Mike Stone says, are in line with this kind of reactionary mm -hmm. element. And I think that's really what you get down to it, is at the end of the day, there's no one calling for uh, complementarianism to be addressed. There's no one calling right. uh, for acceptance of homosexuality in the denomination. Like none of the things that mm -hmm. would actually build a more equitable future are on the table really from a theological basis. Uh, but there is clearly uh, some pushback against the executive committee and its uh, cover-ups and abuses. And I'm curious to see if that leads to like some actual consequences for these fuckers. Because there is a world in which Mike Stone does in fact not simply ascend to power, but does get derailed by his own choices to abuse uh, and uh, harass sex abuse victims. And so there is, there is an interesting interplay between, hey, we all believe monstrous things. Everyone's on the same page about that. But <laughs> maybe go fuck yourself, executive committee. Um, that is fascinating. I, I do agree. I think both the Southern, the SBC and the right more broadly in general is uh, in an interesting, compelling place and yeah. uh, terrifying. But oh, hey, I, you know, I, we've that's, mentioned that's it before, but I forgot one of my favorite things, which was that uh, both Ed Litton and Russell Moore have been accused of taking Soros money by Mike Stone. It's so funny. It's, it's so, so ev every single time somebody says that it's I, I just man the hair the hair in the back of my neck stands up it's like dude what's yeah. your problem well and it really speaks to how uh people like stone are more than willing to engage in the larger sort of q frame conspiracies as a way to ascend to power like they are more than willing to get into bed with the QAnon assholes of which you know 25 percent of evangelicals believe in some form of QAnon, uh which is a truly Michael staggering number go ahead terrifying number i just i realized we i have a million dollar deal idea for us oh please we, hit me know, with it 
you remember growing up all these various themed sort of like bible studies youth group studies you know like whatever mm-hmm, they might mm-hmm. be the teen bible where it's laid out like yep. a magazine yeah totally what if we did the 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 q bible study oh the the, the your bible brought to you by q and like it was like a whole study and you could you could do it you know sort of like dave ramsey style you can get the packet you can get speakers to come to your church and then when it takes off you do youth 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 group with q Mm -hmm, but you put mm -hmm. the q where the g is and you know it's it's fun for all ages youth group (laughs) it's almost there uh we'll we'll work on the branding we'll work on the branding yeah yeah Yeah. don't worry we'll we'll figure it out it's a million dollar idea Honestly, uh, you know, like all leftist podcasters, we will inevitably succumb to the grift. That is just, that is clearly the path laid out before us. So, uh, you know, vote Biden and uh, buy our Q, uh, the gospel according to Q. It's, I hate that, honestly, I truly, this is not a joke. I actually believe we could, we could, number one, do this. And number two, churches would buy it. Oh, yeah. I, I think there's definitely a market for such things, as evidenced by the fact that this shit is popping up in resolutions and stuff. Uh, like, there is a, a, you know, let's just call it 47% of the Southern Baptist Convention that is fully bought in on these ideas. And, uh, you know, they keep shedding members left and right. So that 47% might not uh, be as right. much of a voting block in the future. But currently, they still wield a shocking amount of power. Uh Here's so. the thing I, I will say. Here's the thing I'll say, though. There were bad people on both sides. <laughs> yeah, that's really what it comes down to. By the way, as sort of a closing uh, note. So Ed Litton wins, and I'm like, I guess I got to figure out who this fucker is. So I hop on Twitter, <laughs> and I go to his Twitter page. And the fir- the most recent tweet is not him being like, hey, I won. That's great. It's him earlier in the day hanging out with the directors of Fireproof. I mean, I like Fireproof, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> Fireproof's a good movie. It was just such a great moment of like, oh, no. I mean, you talk about reactionary filmmaking. I liked it, too. It was a good time. But that shit's reactionary <laughs> as fuck. So, like... I- I, I'll never get I, I I'm really excited for Mike Lydon to go on stage at the SBC and take a bat to a computer uh, with all the voting ta- tallies. Ooh, that would be really exciting. There has, by the way, I've already seen a couple uh, election fraud conspiracy theories floating around Twitter. Nothing that's gained a ton of traction yet, but there is definitely an element that is absolutely going to try to do the same thing we saw with our national election with the SBC election, which is very funny. It's very funny. It is. I, I, I think that's my favorite part of this, and, and then we can get out of here, but I think yeah. my favorite part of this is, like, the synchronicity. Like, the oh, yeah. absolute perfect synchronicity with the Republican Party writ large. The, the synecdoche that uh, the SBC really is, not just for the Republican Party, but genuinely for our national politics, uh, is so choice. Uh, horrifying. Very, very scary, but so choice. Man, I uh, the left could take a lesson, man. The left <laughs> could take a lesson on how to... Unify behind ideas. If only. Uh, there, yeah. There's it's, a... It's staggering. So I'm not going to make the same promise I made before that uh, 
that we're never going to talk about the SBC again or take a break <laughs> because clearly I'm not capable of doing so. Uh, this is just a weakness in my soul. I acknowledge this. Uh, I just can't quit them. <laughs> and frankly, honestly, I don't want to because this doesn't end until we abolish this fucking denomination, which is one of the things that came through really clearly for me is like, yes, a couple good things happened. Yes, the less creepy guy won. But fundamentally, this is a denomination predicated on uh, hating women, Mm -hmm. uh, abusing them and then covering it up and excluding anyone that isn't a straight white man uh, from their organization. And even the straight white men, God help you if you're only a pro-life inerrantist, but not uh, vitriolic <laughs> enough about it. They will come for you. Uh, God help you if you only love Trump some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God help you if you only like Trump for his policies and not his personality. <laughs> it is... Man, again, it's 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 so sticky. It's so sticky. Imagine like imagine a left where you like at, where Medicare for all was like actually that believed. Imagine if we could make Democrats have to bow to bend the knee to Medicare for all the way they do to Trump. I tell you, that could be a, that would be a better world. So that was day one of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, I gotta go hop on and watch the next eleven hours. Just kidding. <laughs> Michael, I, I need you to do anything but that. You need me to do anything but that. My poor wife needs me to do anything but that. The amount of stories, just me being like, and then this shit happened. And her just being like, please, for the love of God, log off. Like, my wife there, is begging there, me to touch grass. There definitely is a, like, that tweet about, like, boyfriends talking to their girlfriends about Epstein, uh, but <laughs> with us in the SBC. Yeah, well, it's not that different in the end. No, exactly. They're all the same guys at the end of the day. They all they all go to the same islands, baby. Yep, the deep church. All right, uh, all right let's get out of here. My name is Michael Tabor. You can find me at Michael Tabor. My name is Zachary Allard. You can find me at Zachary underscore Allard. Follow the pod at shitty underscore pod, which also has links to our Discord, where you can rant about us uh, about these issues with us all week. Um, so with that, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next week.